to God. Let me just look at you just a minute and see. Hallelujah. God is so good to us. We have a lot to be thankful for. Hmm? We, uh, I get to travel to different countries and different places in the world and, and minister the word. And uh, man, I, I thank God for that, but I'm always glad to get home. I, hmm? <laughs> One of the last times we were coming back in and we stopped and cleared customs up in uh, Bangor, Maine. And uh, one of the officials asked us, he came by and looked at me. He said, well, are you glad to be home? I said, yes, I am, and eat some home cooking. <laughs> That's something you kind of, after a few weeks, you can get to thinking, okay, it, it won't be long. Uh, but it is a privilege to minister the Word of God. Did you, did you bring your Bible with you tonight? Or your iPhone, iPad, whatever, whatever it is? Go with me, please. To the book of Luke, I'm excited about what we uh, what I have on my heart to minister to you tonight. And I know for you, for me, for anybody that will hear it, uh, this is life-changing, what we're going to look at and talk about. And let me caution you, when we read some scriptures, don't assume you already know this. And as we go, you'll, you'll see, if you know a little bit about it, thank God, but there's a whole lot more. How many know there's always a whole lot more in, in the Word? Well, in Luke, if you'll turn there, Luke, the uh, 21st chapter, Luke 21, Jesus said in verse 33, Luke 21, 33. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. He said, and take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life And so that day should come upon you unawares. Now, uh, many people, you know, in the world, they they don't believe in God and and they don't believe the Bible. And so they they try to live down here like they're always going to do what they're doing now. And that's just living in a fantasy. You know, uh, how many people are still here from the 1600s? (laughs) Not a one. Is that right? Not a one. And in a few years, how how many, uh, you know, if the Lord tarries is coming, just another, you know, 100 years. How many of us still be here? You might say, well, 100 years, that's a long time. Not God time. No, the scripture says with him, a thousand years is like a day, or the psalmist said, like a watch in the night. Now, tonight is what? Tuesday night? Do you remember Monday night? Last night. Huh? You remember Monday? Or do we need prayer right now? I mean, (laughs) if you don't remember Monday night, that's not a good sign. But 
what I'm saying is, how does that seem to you last night? Last night. That's how the previous 1,000 years seems to God. That's how he perceives time. He's correct. We're the ones, we're the newbies. And, and you'll find that uh, time is perceived differently depending on age. We have a little, Phyllis, Phyllis has a little uh, niece who's, uh, uh, she just turned seven, but this was a year or two ago. Something came up. She was at our house having fun, and, and so uh, something came up uh, about something that she wanted to happen. We told her it was going to be, it'd be a year before that happened. And it, you, her face just went ashen. She's like, like you told her it's going to be a century. I mean, you know, a year? A year to a four-year-old, five-year-old is like, but now how about to a 50-year-old, 70-year-old, huh? In just a few months, we'll have to stop writing 22. Is that right? And start writing 23. And uh, people think, you know, well, that's, you know, 50's old. You know, 40's old. Wait and see. Wait and see. You'll, you'll turn around and you'll go, whoo, won't be long till I'm there. Then you'll turn around and you'll be past there. And that's only by the grace of God sustaining you. Right? But uh, time is passing, but things are not going to stay the same. And the earth and the things that are here now are not going to last forever. We're told this earth and this, the heavens around it are going to pass away. And God's going to create new heavens and new earth wherein is no sin, no curse. And uh, in the new heaven, uh, there's not going to be any pain and no dying and no aging. And no, um, no depression, no sorrowing. We've never been in a place like that. That's our future. That's the believer's future. That's worth you saying hallelujah about right there. That's, that's, somebody say, that's my future. I'm, I'm on my way. But what you got to do is you got to finish this part. You got to finish this life. And we're not just down here to take up time. We are created for purpose. And we are here, we have an assignment. We have, whether you ever find out about it or not, you have one. And we have a, a race to run and a course to finish. And, and if you're foolish, you'll just make your own plans and do your own things and look up after a while and be old and your life be done and realize you wasted it. If you're wise in your youth, you will pursue God and seek Him about His will and plan for your life. And you'll dedicate yourself to it because it'll soon be over if you're wise. Do I have any wise people in the, in the building? Huh? Don't disagree with that. Go, yes, yes. Go ahead, make a good confession. Say, yes. I, I am a pursuer of the will of God and plan of God for my life. Don't, don't just expect it to fall on you now. You've got to seek it. 
Seek and you shall find. Ask and seek and look and go for it. And if you'll do that, you know, it's hard to steer a parked car. Right? I mean, <laughs> right? You can do all kind of yanking and uh, you got to get, get that thing in gear, get it moving. And so that's the thing with God. We, we got to get moving at least, get moving towards him, towards his things. Do what you know to do. Right? Start there. Go, go to church, pray, read your Bible. When things become, opportunities come to serve and do things, get involved and uh, here, here the car's moving. Can you see this? The car's in drive and the Lord, and if you're asking him, Lord, steer me, help me, show me, he will. You can count on him. He's faithful. But the very next verse here, he gets into something that can absolutely stall your progress and actually stop the working of God's word in your life. Now that's a big statement. You might say, well, what could stop the word working in my life? Glad you asked. We're going to get to it in just a few minutes. But the very next thing he says is, verse 33, let's read it again. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And take heed. Take heed means watch and pay attention. How many know any time the head of the church says watch and pay attention, what should we do? You should watch. And pay attention to what? Pay attention to yourself. Lest at any time your heart be overcharged. Your heart be overcharged. And then he mentions a couple of big things that have that effect on the human heart. Now, just hold your place there and go to uh, Proverbs chapter 4. Hold your place in Luke. We're not done with that, but go to Proverbs 4 and we're going to look at the 23rd verse. Actually, this this passage is a great healing passage about God's words being medicine, life to those that find them, and health and medicine to all their flesh. And And he says, you know, keep them in front of your eyes and in your ears and in the midst of your heart for their life to those that find them, health to all their flesh. And in verse 23, he says, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Let me read that to you from the Amplified. The Amplified says, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard. Other translations bring that that same thing. One says, above all that you guard, keep your heart. More important to keep your heart than your house. More important to guard your heart than your money. Y'all with me, church? Why? Because out of your, your heart are the issues of life. And we see from the New Testament, from Jesus' words, your heart and mine can be 
what the King James said, overcharged. Now, what does that mean? Your heart, he said, he said take heed to yourselves. Watch, you know, lest your heart be overcharged. That word could basically be translated, I think in our modern vernacular, we'd use the word overloaded. And that's the title of my message. Overloaded. Overloaded what? Heart. These are not trick questions. I'm just, (laughs) don't be afraid to answer. (laughs) Overloaded heart. Can your heart be overloaded? It can. Why do you need to guard it? Why, why do you need to watch? What do I need to be watching for? There are things that affect our heart. And that's not talking about our physical blood pump. That's talking about the inner man, the part of our being that we love with, the part of our being we believe with, with the heart man believes, Romans says. You know, if you cut down a tree and you point to the center and say, that's the heart of the pine. Oh, a watermelon, there's the heart. That's the part I always eat first. You're not talking about a blood pump, you're talking about the center, the core. The core of your being is not your brain. Your brain's a physical organ, just like your kidneys. Your mind and your brain are not the same thing. Your mind's a physical organ, I mean, excuse me, your brain is a physical organ, your mind expresses itself through. But your mind is part of your uh, spirit being, the hidden man of the heart, Peter talks about. But we are told to guard our heart. Let me read the rest of that to you from Proverbs 4. It said uh, in the Amplified, Proverbs 4.23, Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance, And above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. Guess who else lives inside you? Besides you. The Spirit of God who is the Spirit of life. Hallelujah. Remember Jesus talking about in that great day of the feast? He said, he that came to him and believed on him, out of his belly would flow rivers of living water. Well, see, the the term belly is is used interchangeably for the term heart. And again, that's not your blood pump, that's the core of your being. Core of your being. Out of your innermost being, out of your heart, where the Spirit of God resides in every believer, comes life. Hallelujah. Life. Life. And that life includes the strength of God, the peace of God, the joy of God, the wisdom of God. All that is in the life of God. And the enemy knows if he can cut you off from that, you'll wither, you'll weaken, you'll fade, you'll give up, you'll quit. And so he see that's one of the reasons why he works through temptation. To get you to do things 
that burden your heart, that overload your heart to the point that uh, you're weak and cut off. But just hearing this and talking about this tonight, we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. Is that right? And if the Lord tells us to be on the watch for this, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to wake up and be on the watch about this, not in a fearful, panicky way, but just in an observant way, do what he said to do. So go back to Luke, and, and what exactly did he say would overload your heart? He mentions some specific things. Luke 21. He said, verse 34, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness. Now this has to do with yielding to the flesh. This has to do with excess. Uh, It can be any kind of addiction. It can be over drinking, over eating, over spending, etc., etc. And that can overload you. And, 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 and all of us have made mistakes and, and yielded to things and yielded too much to things. And if you think about it, you know it had a fatiguing effect on you, a wearing, tiring effect on you. Too much flesh activity is wearying. It's wearing. Why? Because there's no spiritual life in it. But now when you obey God and you're doing something he told you to do, even if your body gets tired, he'll quicken your insides. Uh, you You got life and strength on the inside, which in turn will quicken your body and your brain, your mind. But uh, ignoring God and yielding to the flesh. And we all got flesh. Your flesh didn't get born again. It was the man on the inside. This flesh still has the same nature of Joe and Betty Center down the street that's never received the Lord. And your flesh and mine will do anything you let it do. I don't look so sanctimoniously at me. You know... What I'm talking about, your flesh will do anything you let it do, but uh, the word surfeiting includes the idea of hangover, (laughs) hangover, and it paints a picture, doesn't it? How does somebody feel, no hands in the air please, but how many, how would somebody feel that had gone on this bender and this drunk for a day or two or whatever, and they, they finally are, are, are waking up and kind of coming, coming out of their, their drug-induced, alcohol-induced haze, nausea, headache. These are the descriptions of the definition in the dictionaries of this word. And does that affect your heart? It does. You know, that's why a lot of people don't make it to church on Sunday morning. Too much partying Saturday night. Amen. <laughs> so, and, and why, what would that be? They just, you know, people open one eye and go, ah, ah, heart 
overloaded. Can you see this? Heart and life of coming out of your heart suppressed and worn. Because we weren't made to do all that. Hmm? I got a, a, a Corvette sports car. Uh, one, of, one of the fast ones. I, the Lord helped me to get it. Got a great deal on it. I like it a bunch. It's got a bunch of power. It's fast. But it's made for a specific thing. It's not made for pulling big trailers. Huh? Somebody said, you know, one of my farmer friends would say, you know, uh, Brother Keith, would you come over here? And I got some cows I need to take to the sale. And and would you uh, pull it with your Corvette? What do you think? I should not do that. Is that right? Why? The suspension is not made for that. Right? I, I could break the springs. I, I could break the back of the car off. Is that right? Trying to do that. I, I could burn up the transmission. Why? It's not made to do that. And if I get mad at the manufacturer because I destroy my car, unless I decide to go four-wheeling with it. Right? <laughs> it's got a lot of power. Right? And there, look, look at the mud and the woods. And hey, let's hit it. Well, it clear. I mean, it's about that high off the ground. So, you know, you're going to tear the exhaust out from underneath it, right? You're going to destroy the body. You're going to destroy everything. And if I get mad at GM, at Chevrolet, and say, look, my, my Corvette could not handle pulling the cow trailer. What will they say among themselves? We got a crazy guy here. Is that right? <laughs> My Corvette would not, could not handle pulling the cow trailer. And I'm very upset. You have to fix it. No, no, you were a dummy. Right? You tried to use it for something it was never designed for. And our bodies... Are not, 1 Corinthians talks about our bodies are not made for fornication. They're not made for sin. They're not made for, for drug abuse. Yes, sir. Come on, are you listening? They're not made for these things. Now, you can do that with them, but it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to wind up destructive. Now, thank God you can come to the Lord, and he's a healer. He's a restorer. But you've got to stop doing the thing that's overloading it. Overloading the heart. Look at the other thing that he mentions here. Surfeiting, drunkenness, and what else? Cares of this life. Cares of this life. Now, we're going to need to define some of this a little bit because in our modern vernacular, we use the word care in more than one way. And it's confusing. Because different words are used in the scripture, completely different words. We'll see that in a bit. But the word here is the word for anxiety. Anxiety, we'd use the word worry. Worries, cares of this life, have the same effect on your heart as being a drunk, as being a drug addict, 
Do you think most church-going people believe that? No. No. And yet, did Jesus say it? Is worry a problem? It's a giant problem. Many Christians have heard, cast your cares on the Lord, be careful for nothing. They've heard that, and, and, and that's a problem. Because hearing it is not doing it. Are y'all with me? You, you, if you've heard it a bunch, you can imagine, well, I know that. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you've ever done it. Just because you know it. And you can tell when people are not casting their cares on the Lord. It's not hard to discern. It's not. Because you lose your joy. And you lose your peace. Why? Because your heart being overloaded. You're trying to pull a cow trailer with your Corvette. Are y'all with me? You and I were not made. Our very heart and the systems of our body will break down under the load of anxiety and fear and worry. They were not designed to handle it. Your digestive system, your immune system, your circulatory system, your nervous system is not made to handle this. Mine is not. And if we do it anyway, there will be, not might be, there will be an inevitable breakdown. Maybe not next week, maybe not next month. But even if it didn't kill you, it'll shorten your life. It'll create problems. It'll make problems worse that can shave years off your life. I want you to say it out loud. I was not designed designed to to worry. I was not made to worry, to be anxious, to be fearful. It's not, it's not a, a, a coincidence that almost every time in the Word of God that an angel comes on the scene or the Word of God uh, is proclaimed many, many, many times. You know it if you read it. What's the first phrase? Fear not. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. Be encouraged. That's not just pep talk. It's a, it's, a, it's a stark warning as well as an empowerment. Why, why lead with that? Because if, if you don't get that stopped, it can prevent the rest of what God's wanting to do with you. Now, if you don't believe that, don't think you've got a disagreement with me. Go back to the book. Look at it over and over again and see. These things prevent God's word working in the lives of his people. You're you're in Luke. Go to the 8th chapter and let's just see what the word says on it. Luke 8. You know what the good news about all this is? We can be free. I said we can stop. We can stop the fear. We can stop the worry. We can stop the anxiety. Even if you've been doing it all your life, you can stop. Somebody say, I can stop. I can stop. I can stop. Now, you know as well as I do, this is a big problem. 
Just about anybody you want to talk to, good people, good believers, but they're worrying themselves sick. People say, yeah, but it's, it's my babies. It's, yeah, but it's, you know, my, my whole career is, is in jeopardy. Yeah, but it's, have you seen the mess the country's in? Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. The verses that command us not to worry are void of any yeah, buts. There are no yeah buts. There are no exceptions for any other thing. Family, personal, physical, national. He said, be careful for nothing. Casting all your cares over on him. Are you all okay? If the Lord told us to do it. Is it possible? Huh? Would he tell us to do something that we just cannot do? He would not. Say it out loud. It is possible possible for me to cast all my cares cares over on the Lord. Lord. It is possible possible for me to be worried about nothing. Careful for nothing. nothing. It is possible. possible. All things are possible possible. to those that believe. And I believe. believe. Hallelujah. We're already making progress. I said, we're already making progress. (laughs) So I said, well, you you think our church has some worry problems? I know it. I know it by the Spirit. Not just your church. Every church in the country. Are y'all listening? Every church in the world. This is one of the biggest areas Where people are allowing the enemy to steal from them. This is his hook. This is how he gets in. And stops what should be happening. Luke 8. Are you you getting there? Luke 8. Is the parable that Jesus taught. uh, Parable of the seed. Parable of the sower. And he said the sower. Sows the word. So he's talking about the, the incorruptible seed of the word of God. And, and the Bible said man doesn't live by, Jesus said every, man doesn't live by every, uh, by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. It's what we live by. Every day and night, there's a word of God for us about every situation that we're dealing with. And that word is our life and our direction. And so he talks about the results of the word in four different types of ground. If you haven't read this before, go back and read it. It's it's in Matthew 13, it's in Mark 4, it's in Luke 8. And you ought to read all three of them because there's different details in in each one. Four types of ground. Wayside ground, stony ground, thorny ground, good ground. And there was only one of these types of ground that got any results. Three out of four. Hmm? Three out of four. 75% of those that heard the word in this scenario got zero results. No results. Are y'all with me? Now this won't make you jump and run around the room necessarily, but when you get the answer and you become a part of the 25% that did get results, you'll run and jump around the room. But this is reality. 
A lot of times people want to come and play church. And they want to pretend. And they want to act like everything's up to God and nothing's up to us. But it's just not true. It's not how it works. Three out of four. The wayside ground didn't even get started. Uh, The Bible said they didn't understand what they heard. And the enemy came immediately and stole that word. They never even got started. The other one, the stony ground, it, uh, it said the, it was a shallow reception and it lacked moisture. Watering is additional word, same word you've heard, just more of it waters it. You need planting, you also need watering. You need to hear and hear, hear again. And so when the pressure was on and they were tempted to quit, they quit. They had no endurance. And the third one was, anybody remember? Thorny. Thorny ground. Luke 8, 14. Luke 8, 14 says, That which fell among thorns are they, which when they heard, have heard, they go forth and are what? Choked with cares. And riches and pleasures of this life, that's the same thing that we saw he's talking about, you know, too much flesh. But he, he, he links together being covetous, overspending, overdrinking, overeating. Again, he connects it with worrying. You get the same results doing either one of these. And it choked, they were choked, and they brought no fruit to perfection. This is astounding. If it wasn't in the Word, I wouldn't believe it. That anything could choke the Word of God out of my life. If it wasn't there in the Word, I wouldn't believe it. But it is. Can worry and anxiety Choke the word out of my life. Yeah. Do I have to allow that? Absolutely, I don't have to allow that. But can you see why the master is saying, be alert? Right? You need, to, you need to take heed and watch about this. What? Don't flesh out. Right? Don't, don't go crazy and... And yield to addictions and all that kind of stuff. Why? It will absolutely overload your heart to where you become weak and hopeless and depressed and helpless. Because out of your heart comes the issues of life. The Lord wants us to be close to Him, walking in the light with Him, fed well on the Word of God. In good fellowship with him. Why? So that out of your belly will flow rivers of living. Hallelujah. Rivers of living water. What's that doing for you? It's quickening your insides. It's quickening your mind and your brain. It's quickening your body. It's giving you answers in life. And and the enemy knows that. And one of the, the big problems to the enemy is when you're getting answers and help and you're living victoriously, and you're seeing results in your life, other people will notice it. And then they want to know how you're doing it. And this thing could spread. (laughs) 
And so the enemy does everything he can, bringing thoughts, bringing feelings, bringing suggestions, what? To scare you, to alarm you. Can you see these two, these two different areas? Tempting you to flesh out and do stuff you shouldn't do or tempting you to worry. Worry. And religion inspired by the devil has taught people for generations, not just a little while, for generations from the pulpits of churches have taught people that when you really care, you worry. A lie from the pit. I said a lie from the pit. Worrying more doesn't show you care more. It shows you trust less. Come on, are y'all awake or not? If you really care about your people, you want to do something that will help them. Worry will never help them. Never. You'll never pay a bill by worrying about it. Will you? How many ever paid a bill by worrying night and day? And the worry actually paid the bill. You thought, if I can just worry a little more and a little more intensely, this bill will be paid. Then to keep doing something that not only is not accomplishing anything that you want it to do, but is overloading your heart and choking the Word of God out of you is beyond foolish. It's ignorant. It's... You know, like shooting yourself in the foot. If you're in a situation and you need help, you need your heart hitting on all cylinders. Amen. Is that right? You, you, you need full faith. Yes. Don't you? Yes. So you got to cut off the things that are overloading you Amen. and are stressing you Amen. and are pulling you down and, and, and distracting you and pulling you away. You got to cut that out. Why? Because worry is not going to help my child. Worry is not going to pay my bills. Worry is not going to fix my marriage. Come on, let's wake up. Let's have some sense. Let's do something that will help. I said, let's do something that will help. That will actually get results. There is a God. He hears prayer. Hallelujah. But it's got to be faith prayer. Faith prayer. Uh, Go with me to Philippians, the fourth chapter, please. Philippians chapter 4. Are y'all okay? Hallelujah. Your worrying days can be over. (laughs) I know that may be hard to believe for some folks because, you know, a lot of people, they were trained in worry at home. Their parents, their grandparents, their, their pastors, their brothers and sisters in the Lord, you know, they, they were trained. 
that you, you, have to, you have to show people and tell people how worried and upset you are or they'll think you don't even care. Is that, is that right? No. <laughs> huh? No. How about what the Lord said? Should that take preeminence over all our traditions? Only any, any religious ideas... I don't care if it's 500 years old. If it was wrong 500 years ago, it's still wrong. Philippians 4, did you get there? Philippians 4, verse 4. Philippians 4, 4, are you there? What does it say? Try to rejoice. Huh? Huh? Do your best. You say, why do you say that? Because a lot of modern translations have changed the word. You'll find that God never told you to try to do anything. Ever. Because that would imply a couple of things. Either one, you couldn't, you might not be able to do it. Or two, he might not know if you could do it or not. Neither of those is true. And you've got, you got to watch out for some of these modern translations because they're not accurate translations. They are paraphrases. And what that means is these people are telling you what they think it means, not what he said. And this is common amongst many of the modern translations. And so you need, get you a literal translation that you can trust and I'm not saying you have to do all your reading out of it and you can't use the others, but any time that a phrase becomes significant to you about making a decision or something, go back and double check it in a literal rendering and see the actual words that were used. One, one I like is Strong's. Strong, Dr. Strong, the author of Strong's Concordance, he has a translation. And it, it reads... Of course, the old languages read backwards from ours, and so it doesn't read easily, but it's very, very accurate. I've been checking it for years, and every time I check it, it comes back to see the other words are used consistently. So uh, he said, rejoice, understood subject is you. So when the Lord says rejoice, what do you say? I don't feel like it. Right now, maybe, maybe tomorrow, I'll feel better. Now you're laughing, but that's how people live. That's not walking by faith. He didn't ask you how you felt. What did he say? Well, how can I rejoice if I don't feel like it? It's an it's an act of faith. Hmm. This is the thing. We're not going to get free from worry if we keep being dominated by feelings. And if you just keep talking about how you feel all the time. Feelings are fickle. Man, they change from, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning to 10.30 in the morning. They they change, is that right, from morning to afternoon. If you're always checking how you feel about stuff, you will be an unstable person. And you'll always be a baby Christian. You won't grow up. Children of God are to be led By the Spirit of God. Not feelings. Not feelings. 
by the Spirit of God. And so when he says rejoice, what do you do? You don't check and see how you feel. What do you do? You throw your hands up and say, praise the Lord. And if your head says, I don't feel like you say, shut up. (laughs) We're rejoicing. We're going to do this. And what you're doing is you're growing up. You're, you're You're stopping acting like just a baby. See, babies, they just completely yield to their feelings and they don't care who they bother and they don't even know that they're doing it. But by the time you should grow up a bit, you should realize feelings don't mean everything. They don't govern everything. And if you'll do something different, your feelings will change. Rejoice. Somebody say rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. And in case you didn't get it, and again I say, rejoice. He didn't say try. He didn't ask you how you felt. This is a way of living, isn't it? You'll notice a lot of the psalmist expressed like this. I will bless the Lord. Huh? And sometimes soul, bless the Lord. Talking to yourself. Stirring yourself up. Right? I, somebody said that loud. I will bless the Lord. I will praise his name. I will, no matter how I feel, rejoice in him. And see, in connection with that, he goes on to say, verse 6, be careful for nothing. Now, that's the word, the same word we saw in the other, anxiety, anxiousness, worry. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known Unto God. What am I going to do instead of worry? I'm going to pray. I'm going to get in faith. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the Lord for some things that I know it's His will. I'm going to believe He heard me. I'm going to expect results. And I'm going to rejoice. Oh, come on, can you see this? That's what I can do that'll actually make a difference. Whereas worrying will never help. In fact, worrying will make it worse. In a lot of families, they don't believe like we do. Some of your relatives don't believe like you do. And if if there's a big problem, and if things don't look good, and things are not going good, somebody needs to get in faith. We can't wait on them to do it. Right? They don't even believe this. Somebody needs to get in faith. Somebody needs to resist worry. Resist fear. And sometimes you just need to say it right out loud. Fear, get out of here. Resist it. Resist the enemy and he'll flee from you. And what do you do instead of fear and worry? You you come before the Lord. You start off worshiping and praising him and rejoicing. And then you talk to him about it. And you ask him, what do we need to know about this? What do we need to see about this? And when he shows you, you ask for something. And you get in faith. And you believe that he has heard you. And you cast all your cares over on him. Hallelujah. 
And that's something you have to keep doing. You don't just do it one time because the enemy is a persistent cuss. I don't even have to ask if you've experienced this. I know that you have. He will bring it back to you. He'll bring it back to you. Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr., who's our father in the faith and ministered to so many of you, he said one of the first times he started learning how to practice this in the early days of his ministry, when the Lord showed him he had to cast his cares, he said he there was something he was concerned about and worrying about. And so he, he asked the Lord to take care of it. And, and then he said, the, the scripture said there in 1 Peter 5, cast, which means throw, throw your care over on him. So he said, well, Lord, here it is. I'm giving it to you. And so he praised the Lord a while and, and he felt better. And, and he went on about his business and he got quiet after a bit. And he found himself sitting in a chair thinking about that problem again. And he said it was like sticky flypaper. That he had got it off, you know, and, and, and praise God. Then he realized it's still on the other hand. The worry, yes. the care. Yes. And, and if particularly if you have just yielded to worry for most of your life, then it's a rut that you can slip into without even thinking about it, yes. without even realizing that you're doing it, because that's just normal life for you. You've just done it all your life. But the moment you realize, what am I doing? I'm sitting here getting upset about this. I've got to stop this. Do we want to do something that will help? Then i got to quit doing this. i got to stop this. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And he went on to say that... uh, about what to think about. He said, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your what? Your what? Your what? This is, this is how we keep our heart. This is how we guard our heart. It'll keep your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, pure, lovely, good report, if there's any virtue or praise, think on these things. Now see, you got out of the worry and anxiety by praising God and praying and casting it over on him and getting in faith. But now you got to stay here. Are y'all listening? Which means you got to watch what you're thinking on. Can you see he goes immediately into that? He, he gives you a list of things to think on. I was preaching this one time and a fellow afterwards, he came up, he said, I know what that is. He said, every mind needs a bouncer at the door. <laughs> so he, he's telling about his history a little bit. But... Uh, but he's right. He's right. What, what's a bouncer? Well, somebody at the door that controls who gets in. Right? And, you know, especially exclusive places, if you're not on the list, you don't get in. So who's on the list? Help me out. We got the list. Is that right? Thoughts come. They come to your mind. 
And you say, hold up, hold up just a minute. Let me see. Okay. Uh, not true. Uh-uh. You're not on the list. Get out of here. Huh? Not honest? No, you can't get in. Not just? Not pure? That's not a lovely thought. That's an ugly thought. No, no ugly thoughts can get in. Sorry. Huh? Is it a bad report? Then no, I can't think on you because it has to be a good report. Would that change your life? Just, can you see that? Just doing this instead of knowing about it, actually doing it will change your life. No, you're not on the list. You can't come in. And see, that's what Corinthians also talks about. Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of, of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is real spiritual warfare. Not what some have imagined. This is how it works. And it has to do with you and I accepting or rejecting thoughts. You'll be tempted to think about the problem. It'll pull on you. It'll try to push you. And sometimes, even if you cast it down, the enemy will bring it back to you 300 times in a day. And if you're smart, what will you do? Come on, help me out. If you're smart, what will you do? Cast it down. Say, no, no. Even if you catch yourself having messed up and you're sitting there and you're getting upset and you're getting scared again and you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. No. No. Get out of here. Fear, anxiety, I resist you. I cast, I throw this on you, Lord. And then start praising God again. And start thanking him for hearing and answering your prayer. Start thanking him for giving you the answer. Start thanking him for helping you. This is fighting the good fight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you see this? Go to first, uh, uh, first Peter. While you're going there, while you're going to first Peter 5, I'm going to read this last one we just read out of the Amplified. You're going to first Peter 5, correct? But the last one we read in Amplified, listen how it reads. It says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. That's the Amplified of Philippians 4, 6. Is that possible? Yes. If the Lord told you, no matter how you feel, his word is empowerment. Amen. Yeah, we can't do it by ourselves, but we're not by ourselves. Right? And by his spirit, greater is he that's in us. We can do anything that he tells us to do. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to, to make your wants or requests known to God. And God's peace that transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts. In minds, is that keeping your heart? Is that guarding your heart? And it has to do with a, a, a choice not to worry and a choice what to think on. 
Now, 1 Peter 5 is a similar thing. And yet we're going to see something a little, a little different here. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you or lift you up in due time. Verse 7, doing what? Doing what? Casting all your care. That's that same word for anxieties. Anxieties and worries. Casting all your anxieties, all your fears, all your worries on him. For he cares for you. Now these are two different words. Two different words translated care. Not the same. Caring for you has to do with his love for you. The other word translated care, I think we'd have understood it better if it was translated anxiety. And we need to be very clear on the difference. God cares about us. That's a giant part of us getting free from worry. God is big. Hmm? He is, you know how big he is? He's bigger than mountains. They're big. He's bigger than oceans. We just recently flew over the Atlantic. We flew all night long. Nothing but water. Water, water, water. (laughs) And that's the smaller ocean. The Pacific is the big one. We were real glad when daylight came and we saw this little island. (laughs) Makes you happy when you see some land. Looking up in the night sky, the best telescopes we've ever made and put out there, looking, uh, they were showing some new pictures on one of these telescopes, you know, recently, and they said it was 70,000 light years from here. That's the, the traveling the speed of light for 70,000 years. Our heads just go, uh, uh, uh. We don't, we don't know what that is. And that's not the end. That's just as far as we can see. Heard them describing a, while, a few years ago that they, they had looked in this one region of the solar system and it didn't seem like there was much out there you know, compared to the other. But when they got the new telescope, they went, oh. It's just you couldn't see it. God is bigger than all that. And he's your papa. And he cares about you. A full revelation of that displaces worry. One of the the, the two big roots, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I hope you can come back tomorrow night because there's, there's a lot more to talk about here. Two of the big root causes of worry is fear and pride. Now, if that sounds strange to you, you need to come back. Let's see see why we say that. Fear and pride. But fear is a lack of faith. Fear is a lack of trust. And this is one of the main causes 
of so many things because God is just not real to people. He's not real to them. They're they're more aware of their problem than they are God. Which is why they're more concerned and afraid. They're more afraid, actually, of what the enemy can do to them than they have faith in God to keep them. And we've all been there in different degrees. But that's got to change if we're going to stop worrying. God is big. Well, somebody say, he's big. He's he's big. Is he bigger than your problems? That's almost a joke. Right? He's not trying to figure out what you need to do. He knew before you ever found out you had a problem. The way to avoid it, the way out of it, he knows. But he says, casting or throwing all your care upon him, for he cares for you. One translation says, refer all your disquietudes to him, for you are the object of his care. Another one says, throw all your worry on him because he cares for you. Say that out loud. Throw all your worry on him. Can you do that? Can you do that? That's a spiritual act. That's an act of faith. Because you can't see the worry, but you know it's real. Hmm? That's what, you know, you hear people say, well, I can't believe in something I can't see. <laughs> worry is real. Is that right? Fear is real. You can't see it. You can't put it under a microscope. It's spiritual. So, yes, things you can't see are real. The Lord pointed this out to me today, that why people become hoarders, hoarders. I wasn't even thinking about this, and the Lord brought this up to me, and I thought, okay. It was in connection with this verse. I'm I'm wanting to understand this verse more, and he talks to me about hoarding. And asked me, he just asked me the question in my heart. Why do people become hoarders? And why do, do some people get in a situation where they are completely overwhelmed with stuff? Can't even move through their house. That is a picture of being overloaded. Can you see that? How does that happen? Because they keep everything and cast nothing away. Three people said hallelujah. (laughs) How do you become a hoarder? Help me out. You keep everything and what? What did the Lord tell us to do? There's stuff we're not supposed to keep. Right? But people are keeping it. There are are a lot of spiritual hoarders. 
There are. I didn't see this until today, but they are. They're keeping up being upset and anxious and embarrassed from 40 years ago. And what somebody might think or what they might do or what might happen and what if this doesn't happen and, and just continual worry and anxiety and any thought of fear and anxiety and worry the enemy brings to them, they just grab it and keep it. They keep it. And so they got thoughts of fear and worry from 83 and 76. And and it is a jumbled, nasty mess. And their heart is completely covered over and loaded down with all this junk. Because they haven't had discernment enough to know what's good and what's bad. What's useful and what's useless. What's beneficial and what's harmful. You got to know what to keep. And you got to know what to throw, cast away. Hmm? Are we going to live with a heart piled to the ceiling? Huh? We've got a tiny little path that we have to squeeze through of all our worries and junk and anxieties. And the Lord wants us to be clear, free. But when he tells you, throw that away. Yeah, but I just remember back when I went through that and it was such a, you know... And it was a painful time, and it's, I think it's a part of what made me who I am. And I, and I just, we'll live in your mess then, and have no faith, and let the Word of God get choked right out of you, and get no results. You become then part of the 75% that heard the Word and got no results. You got to listen to the Lord. And when He tells us something, you can't keep that. You got to throw that away. You got to cast that. You got to throw that away. You got to give that to me. You can't keep that. Then we must stop ignoring Him. We must stop arguing with Him and start listening to Him. Hmm? And do it. I said, do it. And there's no time like right now. Stand up. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say, thank you, Master. Thank you, Father. Thank you, good Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. We're We're not just going through the motions. Now, we're going to do something spiritually. Is it possible to do what he said and throw, cast a care or a worry? Is that possible to do? He told us to do it. Can you do it? Then let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Put your hands on on your midsection.
The Bible said out of your heart, or out of your belly, Jesus said, will flow rivers of living water. Out of your heart, the core of your being. Said out loud, Lord, I accept your word to take heed and watch concerning myself and my heart and not let it be overcharged or overloaded with cares of this life and other things. Forgive me for not listening to you, not obeying you. Forgive me for hanging on to thoughts, feelings, worries, anxieties, fears. You told me not to do it. You told me to throw that off and give you all my cares. And so by faith, I'm doing it by faith as an act of faith. I say fear, anxiety, leave me, get out of here in Jesus' name. I don't want you. I don't want to worry. I don't want to be afraid. I resist you. Depression, heaviness, confusion, death, leave me. Go away from me. I resist you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I do what you said. Everything I've been concerned about, I've been worried about, I've been upset about, I cast it to you in Jesus' name. Say it again. I cast it. I throw it off of me. I can't fix it. I know you can. I'm giving it to you, which means I don't have it. And I'm trusting you. And I'm resting in you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible said in Philippians, it talks about winding up with thanksgiving. Hallelujah. So lift your hands and start saying, thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Now, uh, keep your eyes closed just a moment further. He said, uh, be careful. Don't have any anxiety about anything, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So let's pray it out loud together. Say, Father, Father, nothing's too hard for you. You have all the answers. You know everything. And so I'm asking you for the answers. I'm asking you for the help. I'm asking for your intervention. I'm asking for your involvement. In all these things I was worried about, I'm asking, and I know it's your will, and I know you hear me, and I thank you for granting my request. I thank you. He said request with thanksgiving. So put your hands up and say thank you. Just For just a couple of minutes, just say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord, for being involved. Thank you for intervening. Thank you for the answers. Thank you for the help. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, we uh, something came up a while back, and uh, uh, some people needed some help in a ministry, and the Lord had dealt with us to get involved with them. And so we, uh, we just called them and let them know it was a st- substantial amount, and we said, we'll, we'll be sending that. That'll be taken care of. And you could hear their voice. They're like, ah, praise God. And they begin to thank God and praise God. They hadn't seen any money. They didn't know if we could do it or not. They believed. Can you see that? And when you believe, we which have believed do enter into. Ah. Woo. Praise God. He heard me. He heard me. Huh? How how can I go to bed now and not worry about it? Because he's on it. I said, he's on it. Finally, we got somebody on it that can do something about it. (laughs) Right? Huh? Finally, somebody say, he's on it. He's on it. Which means what? I can relax. I can, I, can, I can breathe a sigh of relief. I can go praise God. Hallelujah. I can start thanking him in advance for answers and things turning out good. Things turning out right. Hallelujah. Let, let that be some code talk among the family here for the next few days and weeks. Once in a while, just look at, look at somebody and say, he's on it. He's on it. <laughs> Pastor. Hallelujah.